Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. Well, what happens when your life is suddenly cut short? Where do you go when you die? All those questions that everybody have is wrapped up in a new book that you got to read for this summer's reading series. It's fantastic. It's called How to Be Dead, a love story. And it's got kind of the humor you can tell in that title. It runs throughout the book. It's great. And by we have a great author that put this together, Laurel Schmidt. Laurel, welcome. Uh, this is your first go-round at fiction, correct? You've, I know you've written a number of nonfiction books. That's right. It's my first. It's my debut novel. And what a way to start out. This is a great book. It's one of those you pick it up and you go, eh, this might be interesting. And then you realize you can't put it down, which always makes for great reading. You know, you've, you've had a long career as a principal, teacher. You're interested in a lot of things. You strike me as one of those type. So what made you decide to write a book uh, about longevity? Well, it was a very interesting story because I didn't actually set out to write this novel. I was getting toward retirement age, and I looked at my mom, and she was 91 years old, and there was no sign of her stopping. And I thought, how the hell did she do that? I had no idea how to get old. All I knew was how to work two or three jobs at a time. And so I thought, well... I better do some research here and see if I can figure out how to stay alive. I began, and I was doing some, I did a lot of research, and then I did some blog writing, and I thought, well, you know, I can help some other people my age, maybe, help them deal with the issue of longevity. And then suddenly the whole project was hijacked. One day, it was like a meteor hit me in the head. The title, the main character, the whole thing dropped into my head. And I thought, well, I knew it was a gift. And, you know, when you're a writer, yeah. you get an idea like that. So I grabbed a pen and pencil or pen and paper and wrote down, you know, the idea before it could escape, like so many fugitive ideas in my head these days. <laughs> and then I sat at my computer and the first sentence popped out and I was on my way. And the main character, Frances Beacon, she's this longevity guru who's brags that she's going to live to be 100, and she can teach everybody else how to do it with her book, her best-selling book, which was called Sex, Drugs, and Social Security. <laughs> so I, I was on my way, and then all these other characters started showing up, and eventually the whole project turned into a thinking person's comedy about the afterlife. Boy, that's exactly right, because it's one of those things people of faith have certain beliefs as other people, you know, like an atheist doesn't know exactly what they believe. Some people believe you just put in the ground and that's the end of everything. And it, But I think deep down everybody thinks about it because it's not something we can actually see. You know, somebody can't come back and tell us what it was like. So this whole character, Francis Beacon... It really is sort of you. Fortunately, you didn't have to die <laughs> to, to experience it. But it's sort of you with all your uh, with all your studying on this. Absolutely, yes. Actually, it was so interesting because it was sort of like art imitating life. 
exactly what I thought I was going to do. The main character, Frances, did, except the difference is that Frances, she's like my doppelganger, except with the safety off the trigger. She's <laughs> very, she's very uninhibited. She, uh, she's got a mouth on her. She likes to drink. She acts up. And so it was a lot of fun to write her um, because I got to act up. But it was also very interesting because she, she let me look at my flaws from a safe distance because that's what Frances has to do when she goes to the afterlife. She, it's not about heaven or hell or purgatory. It's the university of the afterlife. And when she gets there, what she learns is she has to learn the lessons that she failed to learn when she was alive. Otherwise, she'll never get out. So um, it, it really, I was able to dig down into myself and bring up a lot of my own experiences all, over my life and look at them, at, again, at a safe distance. That's what's lovely about writing a novel is yeah. you're there. The introspection is, is just, it's fascinating. And, you know, this all hits up with people. I know my wife is getting close to retirement age. And just the thought process, it's not as easy as you think. Because a lot of people are like, oh, wow, great. I won't have to go to work anymore. You know? But it's not quite like that, right? And it's one of those things where yeah. retirement could be a couple of years or it could be a couple of decades or even more. And I don't think any of us really know what we're, we're getting into. It's that uh, kind of fear of the unknown. Absolutely. And that's what I think that fear, there are so many fears. It comes in lots of flavors. You know, am I, you know, am I going to live a long time? Will I be disabled? You know, what will happen? Will I be alone? Will I be with others? There, there are so many questions. And it was interesting because what I, originally I was focusing on how can I live a long time? And then I realized, you know what? I don't think that's the right question. I think the right question is to ask, what do I want to make of the time I have? And then you realize the only time you have is today. And so my focus then became, what kind of questions do I need to ask myself so that I make the most of the time I have, rather than trying to prospect with the idea of maybe I'll live to 100. Right. And one of the things they get from reading your book is, it's never too late. You can make changes. If you're reading this and you're past retirement age, you don't know what you do, you're not stuck with it, right? I mean, you actually can make those changes. Absolutely. That is the wonder of the human brain and the human heart. We know that we're capable of growing new brain cells, neurogenesis. And we can also grow a new, bigger heart and make room for love. We can give up old baggage. We can see the beauty of the world around us, each of us is born with so many talents and such curiosity. But you know what? We have to reconnect with that youthful person who's inside us and just needs a little encouragement. And you have to liberate yourself. I think that's one of the things when you're facing aging and the fears that come with it. The answer is to liberate yourself from whatever it is that's holding you back because what might be inside of you is the best to come. And I truly believe that with a bit of courage, you can tell yourself a new story about who you are and what you want your life to mean. 
Boy, I love that. And as we look at your career, I mean, we can see that that's kind of what you've done. The fact you've written a novel. This was in you, and now it's coming out. And and I know myself, even in, in terms of what I do for a living, like talking to people like yourself, it is liberating because that curiosity keeps life interesting. So it, it, you don't have to just go and be miserable and uh, wait for death. <laughs> you, you know, we, we don't have any control over some of that, right? But you do have some control over how you do it. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. What you have control over is your is the moment in the moment, and I think one of the things is again this whole idea of forget about other people's expectations, other people's judgment, other people what other people might think an old person should be, what you should be, and to just look inside and find like what what are the passions that you never pursued? What's still inside there that's begging to come out? What do you long for? And then say, listen, if not now, when? Yeah. Well, and, and I look at your background, which is kind of varied. I mean, you were a school principal, art museum board member, brain development expert. There's a lot going on there. And you managed to kind of take all those different uh, skill sets and put them in and, and help examine this. I mean, that's what kind of, we have to kind of look at that. I think we we all kind of have more skills than we give ourselves credit for, don't you? Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that happens over our lifetime is we narrow down. When we're young, we're full of possibilities, and then we narrow it down as we find a career and other responsibilities and all. But the miracle of being liberated from all that and being older is to say, no, I, now I have time. And so many of us, you hit retirement age, you're still healthy, you're still active, and, but you've got 40 hours a week that you don't have to go anyplace and do something, so what do you want to do with it? And it's just tapping back into that stuff that you know or that you glanced at earlier in life and then said, oh, I can't do that now, and re, revitalizing a lot of old interests and passions and then bringing them to the fore while you still have the energy and the ideas and the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to do this in the pandemic. And when I thought about it, I thought that probably was actually a plus in in the sense that, you know, you got a lot of time to think about this stuff. Did, did that uh, work that way, you know, writing this novel where, you know, kind of nothing got in your way? It was amazing. You know, it was just such a gift to be writing this and finishing this novel during the pandemic and during the lockdown, because for five or six hours a day, I could escape the real world and go into the afterlife. And as funny, as odd as that sounds, it was so wonderful because I would just go sit down at my computer. I would start writing. I'd be in the afterlife with Francis. And then all these other characters would show up. Some days I had no idea who was going to show up, and there they were. And so then I spent my day in this kind of very creative, um, exciting world. And then at the end of the day, when I was tired writing, I would look up, and then I'd be looking out at our sad situation. So it was a great, great blessing. And I think that's one of the reasons that this book has resonated with people, is they've been through the pandemic, and there was so much of mortality. You could not escape mortality. Those years, loved ones were being snatched from the face of the earth. And so people really began to think about life 
and afterlife. And then this book came along, and one of the reviewers said that this is a laugh-out-loud tour of the afterlife. And so it's safe for people to think about what happens next. Absolutely, and that's a great point because you've got a great sense of humor, and I think that's how you get into this. People go, "Well, I don't want to read about stuff like that. I don't like to think about it." But but this is a different way to look at it, and I and I think it puts a smile on your face, and it's one of those things where you kind of give people the power to look at it. Like, don't be afraid of this. We're going to have to deal with this anyway. Kind of look at the what could be's as opposed to oh, what ifs. Yes. Yes, exactly. And what was what I think is very interesting about it, once they uh, get over that hurdle of dead, um, because when I, you, when I came up, when, when the title occurred to me, I did think, you know, oh, a lot of people aren't going to touch this book because it has the word dead in the title. But I went ahead with it because, of course, it was a gift. But I also think once they get into it, part of the appeal of it is that, thinking about the afterlife and that there are these possibilities, that it may be completely different about what you thought. And also embedded in the book is the idea of the afterlife and reincarnation. And reincarnation is very appealing to people, I think, because you get a second chance. Mm -hmm. And people really love the idea of a second chance, that maybe I'll come back and I'll be famous or I'll be brilliant or I'll be happy. And In the book, Frances gets a second chance at true love, but only if she can master the afterlife by learning how to be dead. And and I love this because I think you're right. I think that's one of our biggest fears is really the idea that life ends and that's it. It's really that hope. And the book kind of gives that where there's a hope of making a change, not only for now, but what if there are those opportunities? Don't you want to be able to... uh, approach them in the best possible way. I just think it's kind of a fascinating thing. Have your friends come to you and said, oh my God, I didn't know you had this in you? Or or were they looking the other way like, I knew you were thinking that way all this time? You know, what's very funny is a lot of people, friends will say to me, uh, so Laurel, uh, how much of this book is really you? <laughs> and I just say, yes. Yeah, because that's true, right? Uh, we always tend to try to, we want to get everybody down to an elevator pitch. You know, everybody that can, you can do that. And you can't really do that. There's a lot going on there. And there's probably things about you that people have loved for years and years and other things that they had no idea you were thinking about. Exactly. It is It is a bit of a revelation to them. And, and that's one of the things that was really great about this book for me is just owning my life. Just owning it and being able to put it out there instead, because there are, you know, that you tell secrets about, I did, about family crack-ups and about love affairs that went wrong and things that happened in my life that were painful or shameful. And I just, you know what, this is amazing material if I'm brave enough to use it. And there were times that I was sitting at the keyboard and I was typing away, but I was typing through tears. I was crying because it was so cathartic. You you love to write, and people should look at some of the books you've got out there. These are nonfiction books, and if you're interested in the particularly the field of education, I mean, there's some great stuff there. That uh, just give you some of the titles here, like Seven Times Smarter, Fifty Activities, Games, and Projects to 
develop the multiple intelligences in your child. And then you had another confidential 50 things great teachers do behind closed doors. So you get a real feel of that world. Then you go to write a fiction book. Okay, so here you are. Now you're going to try that. Did that take some adjustment or did it just, was it the same process that you had writing these nonfiction books? No, it was very different. And I had to learn a lot. So once the once I realized, okay, I'm not writing nonfiction here. This is a novel. Um, I And I'm a huge consumer of novels. I've been reading novels all my life. But once I realized, no, you're on the other side. Now you're trying to construct one of these. I thought, oh, I have a lot of learning to do. So I studied and studied. I studied the craft. I structure. I listened to really good writing teachers. I wrote and wrote and wrote draft after draft after draft. Um, and, and it's a very, it was a very different process because there were days when I would just, it would just pour out. And then all of a sudden I'd be sitting there with zillions of ideas in front of me trying to figure out, oh my God, where, do, where the hell do all these pieces go? And part of that writing process then, it takes a, a real high tolerance for ambiguity because for a lot of time when you're writing, there are only, you don't, you can't see the path clearly. You just see all these pieces and then they begin to come together. So um, it's not as really as linear as writing a nonfiction book, but it's very exciting. You know, Dean Koontz, we got to know him. He's been on the show several times. And one of the things, you know, he write, puts out one of these every month, it seems like. And one of the things he says you have to do is you got to go and write something every day. No matter what it is, you got to write some. Now, did you do that or did you step away for a while and uh, say, okay, I need a few uh, maybe days, weeks away and then I'll get back into it? Or was it something you had to go and kind of attack each day? You know, I, I did write. Almost every single day, even when I was traveling, I always took my journal with me, and I just would keep writing, writing, writing. Um, and part of it <clears throat> was, I mean, Dean Coons, as you said, he puts out zillions of books. This was my first one. Um, I, was, I was so intrigued by the process and the fact uh, that characters would show up that I had no idea who they were or what they were, what, how they were going to work out in the novel. And so in... Part of it, I would come back to the book every day because I thought, I want to see what happens next. And, um, and as I said, it was just a wonderful place to go and be. It was, such like, it was like a playground for my mind. And so I didn't have to force myself to go. I wanted to be there. And the other part is that even when I wasn't sitting at my computer, when I was just walking around in the world or doing grocery shopping or listening to the radio, I, m my mind was constantly sifting for ideas. And so it was like I was engaged in the process even when I wasn't sitting down writing. Um, so it, um, it was a, a great, a, a, not an obsession, but a great recreation. And, um, and I, loved, I loved the process. So I didn't ever have to say, get in there and write, Laurel. <laughs> well, you know, and, and for a reader, I can tell you, it's great because you don't want to put it down, and that's just the, kind of the excitement. You know, like you're talking about these people popping up in your head. Well, as they pop up on the pages, it's really exciting. What's going to happen next? You know, and you, you go into this thing with just a very, uh, uh, just very, very broad concept. And by the time you get done, you've really thought. And you, we've kind of taken the journey with you. We love it. So, with all that in mind, that's a long way of asking you. 
it strikes me as a great thing for a screen. Have you had somebody approach you yet? Uh, and if not, they should, uh, of putting this either on television or in the theaters or what have you. It just seems like one of those stories that would translate well. I think it will. And I haven't been approached yet, but I absolutely have thought about this as an intellectual property that would translate well to the screen or to a, a TV series uh, or, or however they would format that. And, um, and it's my great hope that that will happen because I think that it's very accessible material and it would, that it would lift people up, that it would be interesting and stimulating, intellectually stimulating, but also emotionally nourishing. And so, um, uh, from your lips to God's ear. <laughs> well, I, Folks, you should grab this because uh, you want to read it first because you're going to see it eventually on some screen and it's going to come across perfectly. And I think actors should get a hold of it and read it because I think they're going to want to play it. So uh, as you look to the future, this is out. Of course, we want people to go out and buy it and read it and enjoy it. Are you thinking about either a follow-up to this or maybe a, a new book entirely with a different topic? What do you think? Because you're not going to stop at this. I can't imagine. It just it just seems like such a natural. I love the writing process, and I love doing novels now. So I have two two other novels that I'm working on right now. Um, both of them have issues of afterlife and people appearing from different eras, and and um, and I'm trying to decide which one I want to go with right now. One of them has uh, the original Queen Elizabeth in it, and another one is a whole group of people sitting around trying to figure out. Uh, they've, they're old, older people, and they're talking about one has a knee replacement, and one's got something else and something else, and all the parts of their body that have been fixed by the doctors. But the question is, can you do that for my heart? They're all seeking love, and they wonder, can their heart be fixed in the way the rest of their body has been? And so, yes, I am working on two other novels, and um, and I'm just intrigued, absolutely intrigued by the process, and so I'm looking forward to finding out how they're going to come out. We are too, and in the meantime, you can get this fantastic book. It is a must, a must read, the story of Francis Beacon. By the way, the name of the book is How to Be Dead, A Love Story. It's a great title, and Laurel Schmidt is a great author, but also, you can read her. You have a blog, which is interesting, the Sex, Drugs, and Social Security.com. What can we find there? That is actually my old research that I was writing about how to get old and how to stay alive. And so I have all these essays, funny, snarky, and and also helpful about different aspects of what I learned about longevity. So my old research material is is coming around and having another life now in a blog that I'm putting together. That's fantastic. We'll check that out. Also, you should check out her website. It's laurelschmidt.com. The book, one more time, How to Be Dead, A Love Story. Laurel, great book. We can't wait to have you on again when the next book comes out or the movie comes out or whatever. I think you've got a long uh, history ahead of you (laughs) as, as a great fiction author and writer. Oh, thank you so much. What a delight to talk to you. You are a fantastic interviewer, and this has just been a wonderful conversation. So it's so gratifying to an author to have a conversation at this level. Thank you so much.